Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast for your school, public library, um, anything like that. My name is Lucas Maxwell and I'm the librarian at uh, Glenthorne High School and uh, this podcast is for anybody who's thinking about running one, a running one, running a podcast? No. I mean, hey, if you want to, please go ahead. This podcast is for... Um, anyone just looking for ideas, so I try to share ideas at work and things that um, may help help out with things. So, um, and things that don't work. So it's just to be helpful. And I don't know if it is. They're you're pretty short. Um, so that's that's one thing. That's one thing it's got going for. They're short. They're only twenty three minutes, um, or twenty five minutes, or whatever. Uh, so that's something, I guess. Um, <laughs> great intro way to start out strong um what i'm going to talk about today is something that hopefully will be helpful to you as a librarian if you run dungeons and dragons so i talk a lot about it i'm doing a lot of stuff with D lately and i'm really excited about it um i was this i was a guest on the D podcast and that has been really exciting to see uh what's come of that and just you know, the reaction was really cool, and I was just really proud to be on that uh, program. And I'm going to be doing lots of cool stuff with D&D. So I'm going to be at the Barnes uh, Children's Literature Festival um, in June, and I'm going to be running a live uh, D&D uh, program for that. And, you know, I'm kind of nervous about that because it's the first time I've ever run D&D um, in person. And I've done things online where, uh, you know, you have to pay to hear me talk, which also is weird to me. Um, But this is the first time where you're going to have to pay money to see me talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Um, So I just find that bizarre. Uh, <laughs> um, but what 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 I'm trying to say is that I am I am excited about um, about playing, but about doing it. Um, but I'm also pretty nervous about the fact that what if nobody shows up? So um, again, really confident here, strong, strong, confident opening, but. You have to pay like eight pounds to come see me do a live D&D workshop. It's not that much money, but there's a lot of people talking. Look, Stephen Hawking's daughter is talking at the same time. I shouldn't have said Stephen Hawking's daughter. Lucy's her own person. Lucy Hawking. Um, She'll be there at the same time next door. So maybe go to that if um, if you like science. I think it'll be really cool. Uh, you can come and see me sweat in a Methodist church and uh, do D&D. I'm really excited to do I hope people come. I think it'll be fun. It's going to be fun. If you just want a fun hour um, and you want to learn about D&D, uh, I really hope you come to that. Okay? Uh, it's in June. I should know the date. I should know the date. I know it's at 3 p.m. Um, this is the best uh, plug this is, you can watch me look at my phone for the dates. Um, it's Sunday, the twenty fifth of June, three p.m. 
uh, Barnes Methodist Church. I think I'm upstairs, so go upstairs. Um, I have some really, I think it's really um, poetic in a way that I'm doing Dungeons and Dragons in a church um, when there was all that, say, when I was a kid, it, the idea, when I was a kid in the 80s, so I grew up in the 80s, um, in early 90s, I was, you know, learning about this game, mid to late 80s, and um, it was a big deal that this game is satanic. This game will make you kill yourself. They are, you know, all this stuff, all this garbage, this nonsense um, about it being satanic and you know, whatever, um, which is kind of hilarious to me. And I think it's fun that uh, I get to do it in a church. Upstairs, no doubt. I think I'm upstairs. Uh, so come do D&D in a church. Maybe that's a, is that a first time? I doubt it. There's going to be some cool youth pastor sits on the chair the other way, turns his hat around backwards. Hey, you know, there was another guy who was a real rebel. Um, <laughs> it can't be the first time D&D's been done in a church. There's got to be some sort of cool, you know, he has the guitar he listens to Petra. It's got to be. It's got to be. Um, so I really hope that you come to that. And I'm genuinely being honest. I don't want to... And because, because it, you know, it, it'll be awesome. I hope it'll be awesome. So what I'm going to talk about today <clears throat> is, as a dungeon master, um, how to make uh, an inn... Uh, a good how to make a good, oh God, how to make a good inn in D and I don't call them taverns so much. I call them inns. Um, you're dealing with kids, right? So you're not going to have alcohol. That's num- number one rule. I've talked about this many times before. I don't need conversations with parents or teachers or whoever. Like, why are you letting? Why are you pretending to run a pub? at lunchtime in your library like that that's what will that's that game of telephone that will come down the line yeah that's what'll happen uh, mr maxwell's running a fake pub in the library that's what'll happen i don't need that and it's not it's not appropriate obviously but so number one rule but you got to think about what is in uh a, an establishment like that okay and okay. uh, oh my, why do I do that? Uh, what I do is, and I'm going to put a. I'm hopefully soon we'll have a link to a to like an example. So I'm going to have first thing. What are the services that it provides? It doesn't. It's not just like hey, you go into this place, and okay, what does it smell like? Is it a rundown place? How many stories is it? Are the floorboards rotten? Do they see rats scurrying away when they enter? Um. Is there sawdust on the floor? Is it musty smelling? Do you smell like cooked meats or meat maybe that's gone off or something like that? Um, So basically, what are the rooms like? You might you might want to decide. If you look in the um, the player's handbook, uh, there's like guides for how much a room will cost, Um, or it might be in the dungeon master's guide, Um, but. Essentially, if it's really, really bad, it'd be one uh, one silver piece a night. If it's really just a little bit up, you can go up to two. 
you can do one gold a night for modest, two for comfortable, four for wealthy. You can go ten gold or higher for if it's like really, really swanky. So I'm usually somewhere in, I usually have it like, um, I don't know, between two, two silver and a gold for the first night. So that's the first thing. How much does it cost to, to do, uh, to run or to stay there? <laughs> What's the menu? So I do a quick menu. I do like breakfast, lunch, slash dinner, and some drinks. And the drinks are obviously non-alcoholic. I do coffee, water, and some sort of funny thing, some sort of funny fruit juice thing. Okay. I did, um, Mount Tomb do, cause they were in the one where they were in the, the tomb of annihilation. Mount Tomb do. Yes. You can, you can have that. Um, anything, right? Um, the, the students became obsessed with Capri Sun, uh, you know, they called it fiery Capri Sun. I don't know if that was code for some thing where they th were like thinking they were drinking booze or something, but it, I never allowed anything like that. So fiery Capri Sun, um, sunny, <clears throat> sunny D and D light, you know, you can figure it out. Um, how much does that stuff cost? You can find tons of menus, but make sure you have a menu. Who's behind the bar? Okay, that is really cool. I always do something really, I try to do something really fun. I try to do a callback to other players or, or NPCs, especially when I'm creating one for like new players or whatever. So I have, there's a student who plays like a blind uh, turtle character, T-O-R-T-L-E, that's essentially a turtle that can walk upright and talk and, you know, do, do what turtles do, but do anything D&D. &D. But um, this guy was blind. Blind cleric, so I have an, he's retired blind cleric, he's gruff, he's grumpy, but deep down he's a heart of gold, and that's his, that's his thing. So, um, I made his name Dutt, D-U-T-T, in the thing. So, who else is there? So, he, he has a cook, a cook named Godfrey, who's another character we use, or not we use, but a character a student has, and this is an Aarakocra. Um, they are retired adventurers. They have a backstory. So, what's their backstory? Um, what's the name of the inn? That's the else's thing. What is the name of the inn? I call that the all or nothing because Dutt and Godfrey, um, on their adventures, got uh, found it in, a, in an abandoned uh, vampire hunter's tower. They got a piece of treasure called the all or nothing coin. Flipping the coin meant that um, uh, if it's heads, they get a natural 20, tails, um, critical failure natural one so they can re it's like essentially once a day they get to re-roll a dice re-roll a, a d20 but they have to get either or essentially they flip a coin they found this treasure they loved it they used it but and they got they named the tavern pub or inn i should say after that after it and they called it the all or nothing is there a hearth in the place? Yes. What's above it? You know, I have like there's a painting of of of, of Dutt in some sort of heroic thing that's wildly exaggerated. Um, Godfrey being a very tiny speck in the background, flying in the background. Um, the thing is, the backstory is that they they had this wild adventure where they they fought vampires and they saved villages, etc. But the, the the all or nothing coin was stolen. And there you go. Um, they've had they, it was stolen three days before the players get there. And then you can write a little homebrew thing, like how do they get it back? Do they have to solve riddles? Do they have to fight someone? Do they have to steal it back from somebody, etc.? Um, that's easy to do, in my opinion. So who else is in there? So you can have tons of NPCs who are um, 
just there to unwind and eat and they can play games they can um be arm wrestling and they can be doing you know card games etc as long as it's not you don't want if you don't want gambling in your in your game then you don't need to do any of that stuff they could be arm wrestling with playing darts it could be I, the one that's age old, and I'm sure I've stolen it from somewhere, is that where they're tossing a coin into the into a helmet with a like a, vi- a visor, like a vi- vision slit, and they're trying to toss coins into it. The other one is um, they've got a big like a jar filled with water with a coin slot on the top, and they've got a like a smaller glass within that big jar of water, and they're dropping copper pieces down into to try to like it land in the cup. That makes sense. And you can make them roll dexterity checks. DC quite high, like DC 19 or something. And they can do that. Are there little games in your inn? Okay. Um, the other person I had in there is a, is a bard named Patience, who's also one of our characters. I, I've altered them a little bit. So if Patience, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Patience is a tiefling in this instance. Um, bard. What is Patience's backstory? They are a, um, they have been bitten by a werewolf. Um, while getting after getting lost in the woods um uh many months ago and once a month when the full moon comes out they don't remember where they've been but they've often been you know maybe they've killed some something somebody they have a, a pretty troubled existence they want to end their um curse to end the curse they need um a specific flower that you can only find in the Feywild. Maybe it's called Wolf Spain. I think I've heard of that. I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. But I'm going to write all this down and make it a guide. I think there is a flower called Wolf Spain. But I think in the regular world, quote unquote, D and D regular world, it's poison. But in the Feywild, everything's different there. Like magical, everything's magically enhanced. It's um, it can help cure a curse, um, lycanthropy. So which is being a werewolf. So there's a little cool story. They the players may never find this out. However. Um, it's cool if they do, and if they don't, you can always use that in another NPC. I also had about 13 people in there that are just regular people, and you can describe a mixture of dwarves, gnomes, elves, humans. They're just going about their day. Maybe there's, like, shop owners who've closed their shop for the evening. They're coming in for a meal, etc. Families. You don't know. Um, patients can be playing a song. I have her playing a song about a haunted house, um, which is a tie-in to the characters, the players, the student players who... At the very beginning of the, of the campaign, they went through a haunted house, and it was terrifying. But there you go. So you've got um, the owner, the cook, a bard, three people who can provide a quest. Um, you've got the, the regular patrons. You've got a few little activities. What other services can... It provides. That's what you need to think of. So in my world, um, they can provide baths if they are like it, just to make it realistic. So it's too silver for a bath for the evening. A hot bath, it's extra on top of the room. Um, they don't have a postal service usually, but I would say that they would hold a package or have someone deliver a package um, for. They will hold it for you know eight silver a day. Um, I would say. Dutt, because he's a retired cleric, will, for a fee, perform small magical feats. And I mean small. So prestidigitation, which is like they can clean for you. They can can clean or fix up something. Mending, which can repair a tear. All of this stuff costs gold because spells cost money often. And even though some of them are cantrips, um, it's his time and effort. So he's going to charge. He's trying to make a living. So I would do very basic 
uh, things. And he can do cure wounds at the first level for like eight gold per time, but he can only do that three times a day. Um, and it's one d eight plus three healing. It's not that much. He's not gonna he's not gonna bring you back from the dead or anything like that. But he, if you dragged in a, a, someone who's dying, then he could cure wounds them if he had if he was ready. Um, but yeah, so it's that's the way it goes. Those are the things they've got. You could have a jobs board in there, and I toy with this. Some, a jobs board is a very like static thing. Like, oh, get the job, do the job, bang, get a reward. I like it when they meet people, but also who who provide quests. But also, you got to think realistically. Like, people aren't just sitting around in inns waiting for you to show up to give you a quest. So. However, if you're looking around the room and someone approaches and, you, and they see and people who are obviously adventurers, they might approach. So it kind of makes sense that somebody would approach and say, "Ooh, do you think you could handle this?" Um, so I don't. You, I would say have maybe one NPC who has a has a light quest for them, but of course it can all tie into the main thing if you're if you're doing the homebrew. Um, so patience's quest to the Feywild might lead them to something else. Um, so. Um, Dutt's uh, quest to uh, get the, the, the coin back. Another shop owner named Zok, who's another NPC kind of favorite amongst our my uh, my friends on the Meat Shield podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe Zok has stolen it. Why has he stolen it, though? Maybe Zok is under duress. Maybe Zok is being pressured to steal this, this magical item for someone else. Um, and that leads them on to, like, a big, you know, the big bad guy or whatever. Um, there's tons of things. Maybe Zok is under some sort of influence, magical influence. Okay, so they can also. Um, I'm jumping all over the place, but an inn can also stable a horse. Maybe for I would say you know t- uh, ten silver a day, maybe less than that. Let's say like four silver a day. Um, it wouldn't cost that much. Um, so you can do like um, light magic, rooms to rent, food, stabling a horse, baths. Um, postal kind of like ho- postal holding, delivering messages maybe, but not delivering big pad. They're not a post office, but um, very light for certain fees, and you can determine what those fees are. Um, maybe they've got like a basement with a secret passageway. Maybe there's some sort of unique weird history to it. Maybe they have something, uh, maybe there's like a uh, a stuffed creature, like a stuffed animal, an animal that's been taxidermied on the on the wall or something, and there's a story behind that. It can just make it more interesting. So one of our most interesting, uh, one of most, you know, the one huge tie-in that's come over and over, and I didn't write this. This is from Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which is an amazing adventure in my opinion, um, and I get to run it with some amazing people. Is that in the inn? The first inn that they arrive in, no, one of the first inns that they arrived in, in Brinshander, there's a singing fish, like one of those, like, Billy Bass singing fish on the wall named Old Bitey, and this is all part of the book, and they see that there's a ring inside its mouth, they were able to get that ring out, I mean, I think in the book it's just like a gold ring, but I made it like a ring of protection, I think, I think that's what it did, but it's still connected to somebody's finger to make it a little gross, and the party decided one morning or one night that they were going to steal the fish. They needed to have the singing fish. Um, and I did not, I was not ready for that. And it was a, a hilarious. They made a huge distraction, which looked like a portal to hell had opened up. Tentacles were coming out. The, the patrons fled in terror. 
they grabbed the fish off the thing, they wrapped it up to keep it quiet because it was constantly singing when they were near it, and then they buried it in the ice, in the ground, um, and then came back for it and took it. And then it got stolen from them because they opened their own business in another town, and it got stolen from them. Um, and they were able to then retrieve it eventually. But um, <laughs> now it's very, very, uh, sits in, in a very, um, you know, it's a rightful place in a very proud position in their, in their business. But um, the owner of the, the North Look in Bridgeshander still has not located uh, the cider. So this fish. <laughs> uh, I don't think they, my podcast friends listen to this at all. So I'm not giving anything away, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but they have um, a connection to this to this thing from this end. It just was this kind of like not a throwaway thing, but I think that's maybe some players just do once. I've had other players run it, and they're also amazing. But they just were like, "Yep, we get it. This is the fish things. That's got a ring." Um, they took the ring and left the fish, and were like, "Done with this thing." Kind of annoyed us. Uh, <laughs> and I see everybody's different, but you just how you build it in is really important in my opinion and again if people don't interact with a certain aspect of an inn that you build you could always just um cut it out and plunk it into some other inn okay um what else could they do so there's tons of different things that could happen so you could have the mysterious figures you can have all of that stuff right uh you can have people approaching them for different things they don't need to be quests okay um, or they could be just like low level stuff. You could have people who who are if they strike up a conversation with them, they're just missing a relative, or they are they are um, you know uh, missing an item. So we've got the the coin and stuff like that. So how you incorporate what it looks like? You can always always draw a map out. How you incorporate the smells, the sounds? So again, what is patience playing over there? It's a mournful tune, a kind of a spooky tune about. About a about a haunted house. Um, all these things can kind of like make it more interactive. And I'm not saying I'm some expert because I, sometimes I'm caught off guard if they say, "Oh, we're going to go back to this inn," and I or go to this inn, and I haven't got anything ready. Uh, and it's my you know my fault. They can they should be feel like they can go wherever they want. Um, I kind of will sometimes just have like this is what you see. I don't have all this immersive thing, all these immersive things. But what I'm doing is building up like a bank of things to use. And I think that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to try to write like an example of that and an example in, and hopefully that's that's useful. So that is my um, that is my advice for building an in. You don't need maps. You don't need visuals. This can all be uh, theater of the mind, as they say. So I really would recommend doing that next time you you play D and D. Create a cool in with lots of different people and eccentric people regular people quote unquote just work work a day people just there to relax and unwind uh maybe an eccentric bar you know proprietor or whatever maybe an eccentric cook maybe oh yeah so like probably two i have two wait staff so there's a <laughs> there's a lanky guy named enigma who's a who's a student player <laughs> um i made them an elf in this instance i know they're not an elf in real in the real game but uh and they they don't like their job they are very like ugh uh, they're better than that, they feel. And then there's a goblin named Scoot, who's also one of our players, who is very enthusiastic and very um, into their job. So that's that's what we have. So, uh, again, I hope that was helpful. I hope that you uh, can take that kind of information and apply it to building a, um, a cool inn for D&D. 
that is it. Uh, take care. I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much. Bye.